Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. I think they should reboot Game of Thrones, honestly. <laughs> it's too soon. Oh, my God. Just the last season. Not enough spinoffs greenlit for you. You know what? It's been almost 20 years. Why don't they reboot MuggleCast, you guys? <laughs> Are you guys going to pick your successors? Oh, yeah. yeah. We should do that for April Fool's Day. We're rebooting the show. I cast Idris Elba as myself. <laughs> I mean, the resemblance is uncanny, so why wouldn't you? In many, in many ways, except he can act a little better. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And we have two of our friends with us, Micah and Eric from MuggleCast. Welcome back to the show, guys. It's good to be here. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. I don't think you guys have been on the show together, right? It was separate. Right. No. That's right. You two were feuding, and now everything's better. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> We patched it up over an old-fashioned or two in Chicago. That's right. Okay. Well, we wanted to have you two on this week because we're going to talk a little bit about the Harry Potter television reboot. And the main reason we're talking about it here, I mean, we already spoke about it on MuggleCast. Why would we do that here? Because a Twilight television reboot, allegedly, is in development now over at Lionsgate. So we thought we could have a larger discussion on television reboots in general. And we haven't gotten Pam's thoughts on the Harry Potter TV reboot either. So uh, we thought that'd be a good opportunity to get her thoughts on that as well. So uh, look forward to a pop culture edition of Millennial today. But first, we wanted to talk about a little more recent news. Oh Man, was it a hot freaking Monday? I was exhausted by 11 a.m. I needed a nap. Tucker Carlson at Fox News, Don Lemon at CNN, both shown the door at their respective networks. Both were notified Monday morning, both caught by surprise, according to reporting. I don't like either of these people, obviously not Tucker Carlson. I wasn't a fan of Don Lemon either, so I was actually pretty pleased by this news. Pretty exciting day. Yeah, for sure. Um I I think that was the first headline I saw Monday morning. I try not to make a habit of getting up in the morning and checking the news first thing. It's not always something I'm successful at. So I got this push notification and I was like, woo! <laughs> During a meeting, did you do that? No, woo! no. I, I had some downtime. Like okay. two, two seconds of downtime, but <laughs> it, was ve- it was a very exciting moment. Um, and then, you know, seeing... Uh, a similar headline about Don Lemon a little later, 
kind of like you, Andrew, I'm not a huge fan of Don Lemon. So I wasn't, you know, quite as excited about it as I was about Tucker, but uh, I still get it. What was that one like? Was that like, woo? Okay. Uh, Honestly, that one was like, I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. Uh Uh-huh. To be honest with you, he's, it feels like he's kind of been on the edge of being shown the door for a while. Back in February, he made very sexist comments on his own damn program in front of his two female co-anchors. He was making these comments about uh, Nikki Haley being past her prime, and his Whoa. co-anchors was like, what are you saying? And he like doubled down on them again and again, and then he got put on leave, and he did come back, but he never recovered from that. It almost kind of feels like they were quietly investigating behind the scenes, you know, because really, if you think about it, that's two months ago, not very long. But I think the real shock factor here is the fact that they both got let go on the same day. So everyone was like, what is happening? This is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy. And to Laura's point, it it felt like this had been in the works for a while, though, because he had a primetime show prior to moving to the morning window and obviously like you said andrew he made those comments but he was moved into that morning slot before any of that went down so you have to question you know what was the thought process of cnn throughout you know i I, and look i'm not a tv person so i don't know like is i would assume it's a demotion of sorts to go from being in the 10 o'clock window at night on cnn to the morning window but i I, yeah you know i don't know yeah that that is hard to say because i think that when you look at um you know basic cable if you move into a morning anchor position that is the big deal but i don't know to your point how it works with a 24-hour news cycle channel that's on a premium cable network and it's it's worth mentioning he was moved after CNN let Chris Cuomo go. And those two were their bros. Like there's a bromance there. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see if he goes to the network that Chris Cuomo is now on. Maybe he just got drunk one too many times. Which is what? Do you happen to know? He is on. <laughs> oh, News Nation. News He's Nation. On News Nation. Yep. As for Tucker Carlson. So reporting is suggesting that he was let go to due to workplace harassment. And this also came a week after the Dominion lawsuit came to a close and Fox settled. So seems like it has to do with that as well. I read that it came down from Rupert Murdoch uh, himself, the head of News Corp. So, um, yeah. And again, a shock, a shock for sure. But I mean, the thing is. Tucker's going to go elsewhere. So it's like you can't get really too excited about this. And particularly embarrassing for him because the last his audience heard he was coming back. Yeah. So right Right, on Friday, he was eating pizza and he was like, oh, yeah, such a great episode. I'll see you all Monday. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He had guests booked for this week and everything. Um, Uh... it, It was clearly a shock. But I think, you know, to the point about the Dominion lawsuit, During Discovery, uh, that was when all of those text messages came out from a few prominent folks at Fox, including Tucker Carlson, revealing how he actually felt about Trump. So I'm sure that factors into this decision as well. And I think Fox is just trying to minimize their losses here. Um, They've already been sued because of Tucker once in the past. They won that lawsuit. Because their defense, 
the lawyer's very successful defense was that nobody actually takes Tucker Carlson seriously. (laughs) And that's why they won. But, you know, they're looking at somebody who's already gotten them sued once in the past, somebody whose name was tied up in this Dominion lawsuit. Sounds like there was some harassment issues going on in the workplace. He he had the clear target on his back. Not only that, there were sponsors that were pulling their ad dollars Mm -hmm. from that time slot because they didn't want to be associated with his show. So I think when you start to add everything up, regardless of having 3 million viewers every night, the scale starts to tip in the other direction, especially when you have a lawsuit like that. And if you're Fox News, you have to start to cut your losses because you need to rebuild at this point. And they've lost a lot of their big name talent. I'm thinking about Bill O'Reilly as well, uh, going back a couple of years. But actually, I saw Bill O'Reilly. He was on with Chris Cuomo last night. And he was <laughs> saying that you know this is going to have a trickle-down effect. It's not just going to be Tucker Carlson who is let go as a result. There's a lot of people who are oh, interesting. working at Fox News that unfortunately are going to lose their jobs as well. So you're, you're everyday people, not the ones that you see on air every night. Like Tucker's hairstylist. Potentially. <laughs> well, I just, the thing I got a question is what were these people fired for? Really? Because you can say it's internal sexism. You can say it's a lawsuit, but like, how about deceiving millions of Americans every day for many years? Uh, you know, there's like, they're never going to be, this isn't the rebuke. This isn't Fox News saying, okay, we're cleaning house and committing ourselves to the truth. They're actually going to be able to avoid, uh, in terms of a settlement, actually um, issuing an apology, like an actual apology mm-hmm. for uh, the defamation of Dominion. And uh, I think that's wholly unacceptable. Uh, so Tucker probably has enough money stored away. He's going to be fine. Like you said, another network might pick him up. Although this was the third network he was had a show canceled from, I think, the third major network. Yeah, he was funnily enough on CNN back in the day on Crossfire. So, you know, like, okay, that doesn't bode well. But as much as we all love to joke and we'll take our wins where we can get them, um, this is just not even one step in the one half step in the right direction. As far as I mean, yeah, Yeah. I think he's going to go the Alex Jones Rush Limbaugh route, which honestly is terrifying in and of itself because the world doesn't need more of that. And it's it's frightening how many people will exclusively listen to content like that. But I feel like he stands to make more money just going at it on his own. And he's big enough to do that. So I wouldn't be surprised. And I wouldn't be surprised if he already had something like this in the works, mainly because he's been making the rounds on all of the independent conservative talk shows recently. And he's been making an effort to approach those conversations with more nuance and moderation than he ever has when he was on a cable news network. He was actually on a show with Ben Shapiro where he came out looking like the more reasonable uh, between Mm. the two of them, which, I mean, isn't hard to do with Ben Shapiro. He's batshit. Um, but Tucker was definitely taking a more nuanced point of view to conversations around wages and 
you know, government control and the government regulating, you know, what sorts of industries can be impacted by technological advances and things that he would very easily write off as, you know, straight up socialism in his regular primetime TV slot. He would he sounded like more of a human and less of a cartoon character. <laughs> um, yeah, than he did on the news. So I think that he was probably panning a p- planning a pivot at some point. I will say it's fucking frightening to me because it seems like anybody can throw their hat in the ring to run for president these days. And I'm really afraid that we might see Tucker Carlson decide he's going to run for office. Maybe not president. Maybe not president. Not anytime soon. I don't, I think that would be a long way off if he did. uh, Yeah. But at all, like, (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. I know. But I think he probably looks at being a pundit as a much easier role than actually running for office. That's a whole different world, whereas he could just sit back in his home office. Yeah. If you run for office, you get to stand for something. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Do you? Uh, well, <laughs> actually, I rescind my comment. <laughs> he could pretend to stand for something. Yeah. What I was going to say earlier, though, is, uh, Laura, it is very scary that he can kind of embody this personality on television that would come on air every weeknight on Fox News. And then he's in these other interviews that you're talking about where he seems more nuanced. He seems a little bit more sane, more middle of the road. And Andrew, you mentioned he worked at CNN. He also worked at PBS and MSNBC. So the question is, who really is Tucker Carlson at the end of the day? What does he actually believe? I think he's who just is pandering. Tucker? No, the real I, I, Tucker. I mean, and And he's he was pandering to 3 million people every single night, telling them what mm-hmm. they wanted to hear, whether it was true or not. And that's why I think I see it coming up in the Discord too. You have to treat Fox News as entertainment. It is not news. It's... Right, they're news personalities is even what they have to legally call them. Right. They're not reporting the news. You want the news, listen to NPR. Don't don't go and watch any of these stations. I'm seeing swaths of America that aren't that nuanced, though. They believe what Tucker is saying. They don't realize that they're getting a presentation. They don't realize that they're. it's a good faith. They believe that everything he says is in good faith and next to nothing is. It's a script. It's a performance. Well, I think part of that, too, is because people don't just go to Fox for um, national cable news. People turn on Fox for local news, too. And so... When you see your local news anchors who are notoriously way more um, unbiased than what you're going to see on a 24-hour news cable channel, it's hard sometimes if you don't have those media literacy skills to separate what you're seeing on the local level versus what you're seeing on the national stage. And I'll get off my soapbox for a minute here, but this is like my main qualm with people talking about how there's so much wrong with the media, because most of the time when they're talking about that, they're really talking about these news personalities that you're talking about, like the Tucker Tucker Carlson's of the world, because that's what they associate with these larger, um, you know, tentpole channels. 
Mm-hmm. What you said blew my, blew my mind too, because I, to the age when I was watching news, I wouldn't have separated or realized that local news and uh, national news were coming from entirely different agencies, organizations. If it was all on Channel 4, that was what I watched. Right. And to be fair, um, you know, the the 24-hour news cycle, I know we're going to move on soon, but the 24-hour news cycle is like relatively new in the grand scheme of things. I think that like it, that really started in like the late 80s, early 90s. So we really haven't been living with that for very long. And so I think that that is part of the problem as well. No, and if if you want to see something that'll blow your mind and, and make you pretty angry, there are um, there are data charts out there you can look at comparing levels of bipartisanship in Congress before and after the introduction of the 24-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. You're so and right. It is stark. Yikes. Yikes. I did not realize that, but I would I would like to see that. Yeah. 24-hour cable news is a cancer. Honestly. Yeah, I it's hate terrible. it. I hate it these days. I used to be more into it, but I can't stand it anymore. What a Monday. We lost Tucker Carlson's show. We lost Don Lemon on CNN. And maybe best of all, James Corden's carpool karaoke also ended on Monday Thank because God. his show is wrapping up. For- <laughs> encore. Encore. We got to get an they, encore. Did they pull the plug on the Apple TV Plus spinoff? I don't think so. Okay. This is the James so Corden one. It, it lives I, to see another day. <laughs> I did watch the final one. It was Adele and she surprised James at his house, woke him up. It was cute, but it's just like tired. And James Corden is like singing over Adele in the car. Like, I get it. You sing together, but it's like, shut up. We want to hear Adele sing. <laughs> We're Tucker and Don in the backseat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. They were having a very surprisingly free Monday. So they were like, oh, we'll show up too. I really did enjoy the carpool karaoke with Paul McCartney. If yeah. folks haven't watched They're fun, it. for sure. I get it. Some people it, it hate them amazing. though. <laughs> so, and I, I stole that joke from Twitter putting all three together. Um, (laughs) Anyway, there was also some big news on Tuesday. Biden finally officially announced that he is running for president in 2024. This is our Joe Mentum music. Oh, look, even Eric has something to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) I love that dark Brandon background. So let's describe it. It's like techno mountain background. Biden smoking a, a joint. Oh, very much He's so, yeah. Laser eyes. <laughs> I just found a quick Google search on this. I searched Dark Brandon. I don't know. The unmemeable president gets memed. Couple fast facts about this. This will be his fourth presidential campaign. He is currently the oldest person to ever be president. I think Micah wants to address that in a moment. But on the Trump side of things, I also just wanted to address, and I saw this over on the New York Times site today. Voters have only sent one former president back to the White House after they initially lost re-election, and that was Grover Cleveland. Others in Trump's position who have tried include Herbert Hoover and Teddy Roosevelt, and the latter ran under the Bull Moose Party in 1912. So, uh, Micah, I think you have some strong feelings about this. You want to get out there? I mean, not strong feelings. I, I think they're feelings that a lot of us are are having right now, and you know, I, I was watching the news last night, as I mentioned, and they were talking about how Biden was getting ready to announce today when we're recording. And one commentator put it this way, we're getting the sequel when we really, really didn't like the original. (laughs) And referring to Trump versus Biden. And 
I think a follow-up question to that is, we have over 330 million people that live in this country. Is this really the best we have to offer? And, and, and in fairness, I feel like we asked that question the last election too, and you know, Biden ended up winning. And I do feel like a lot of young people feel this way. People you in their even, 20s and 30s and 40s. Oh, yeah. You could even ask this back in 2016. I mean, it was refreshing to see a female candidate running for president, but Hillary wasn't new and shiny. I think a lot of people, especially younger generations, are looking for some fresh blood. The the Pete Buttigieg's of the world, the AOC of the world, or should I say country. But their their party doesn't support them. Not really for that. They're not getting the yeah. exposure, the support that they I mean, the idea of young Democrats being fixed for or like having him be next in line or something it just doesn't exist because Biden, I think we saw with the primaries last time that Biden is the the only one who could even hold it, like come close to Trump's numbers on the other side. And my big thing, uh, if they do both end up being the candidates again for the next presidential election in the U.S., Biden beat Trump once. I see very, very, very much no at all indication or reason why Trump we should expect Trump would ever win yeah. again. Uh, knocking on wood, like it's the same matchup. It's going to end the same. There's nothing that Trump has done to actually win over more voters as far as I know. And it's only gotten worse on his scandals. So I'm kind of Biden's done plenty of good things in the last two years. Yeah. And it's only been two years. So it's not like, to your point, the mindsets of Americans have changed that much in the last two years. It's absolutely absurd that uh, the younger um, generations, younger politicians aren't represented or don't have more people in Congress. It's not because they're disinterested. It's because we have these much older people that are retaining the position. Um, and, you know, with Biden as a president, I really like him so far. He's doing a lot of shit under the like main radar, I think. That's very, very good stuff. But you do have a lot of loud people that are doing other things in the other direction. And if he can't uh, meet those challenges in a quicker and louder way than he has been doing, I think ultimately his presidency will be viewed as a failure. Yeah, I think Biden, my biggest critique of him thus far is that he wasted too much time trying to be bipartisan. We had a supermajority. We had control of both chambers uh, of Congress, we had the presidency, and yet there was still this, honestly, at this point, very antiquated approach towards the idea of bipartisanship. How can you be bipartisan when one half of the country's political ideology has been taken hostage by MAGA? There's no negotiating with that. And I think that is probably, to me, um, one of the biggest dings against him here in his first term. As we got closer to midterms, it felt like they pivoted and really started taking a lot more action um, and and actually doing things. Um, so I hope that we'll see more of that, especially after 2024, when He's not going to be running for re-election again after that. Um, so we can really hopefully go balls to the wall. Yeah. I'm of two minds on this. I think that overall, Biden has done a decent job with 
what he was given when he got into office, given the circumstances. I also think we're ready for a different perspective. We're ready for an actual progressive perspective in this country. I think that he might have been trying to set us up for that with Kamala Harris being his VP. Um, I always assumed that the reason she was in that position was perhaps because maybe he didn't want to run for a second term. Maybe that wasn't the plan. Maybe the plan was that the baton would be passed to Kamala. She has not played very well nationally, and we could have a whole episode dedicated to, you know, all of the reasons why that might be. Um, But I, I think that there was at least some good faith intent there in putting a younger woman of color in the vice presidency, especially, you know, she she's that, but she's also incredibly accomplished and was one of the most progressive senators uh, at the time. And she'll probably run in 2028, 2032. Mm-hmm. Fox News is already scared of her. I see it on at the gym and uh, I see them talking about her uh, while it's on at the gym. And they're just talking about like her flubs when she's speaking. Is that what gets your heart rate up? Is, yeah, is, it's very it's stressful. Not, it's not the treadmill. It's it's watching Fox News. That All gyms do this. They put CNN and Fox News on right next <laughs> to each other. And my heart doesn't know what to do about it because I'm seeing two competing opinions all the time. And then... <laughs> Anderson comes on and, you know, forget it. And I faint. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with what you're saying, Laura. And and I do think that Biden's done a lot of good things. And he still has more time to work with. Right now, I believe his approval rating is below 40%. So there's definitely work to be done. And I think he's going to have to really try to appeal to the younger voting block that's out there. And I don't remember, was it you guys who were talking about this on a previous episode where he's going after influencers in the social media space to try and kind of galvanize the vote? Uh, I don't remember where I heard that. I thought it, yeah, we may have sent, mentioned I mean, something like that. it makes sense from what I've seen online. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. The way I look back on it is like with Obama, there was energy, there was vibrance, like people cared about going out and and voting and and I know voter turnout is the highest it's ever been but it just feels like there's something missing and if you're going to have like two old granddads <laughs> battle it out you know one what's Trump 77 Biden's 80 he's going to be 86 by the time god willing you know he he steps down as president it's just I don't know here's what it comes down to for me we know Biden is able to defeat the big, scary monster, the big, scary, awful monster. We don't know how another candidate would do against Trump or against DeSantis or any other Republican who's put forward by the GOP. It's a shitty hand of cards we have right now, but this is the deck we're just playing with for the next few years. We're stuck with these choices right now, and there's no getting past this, unfortunately. And I'm happy with Biden in that I know he can get the job done against Trump. And to be fair, in four more years, you're going to see, um, you know, a much more diverse voting pool. A lot of these younger Gen Z um, people that are really passionate about the issues that our country is facing today, you know, like they're 
becoming voters or will be able to vote uh, going forward over the course of the next four years. And to that point that Laura made about being ready for a progressive candidate, I feel like we're more ready now than we were four years ago. But I think that we'll be in a much better position to rally behind one person that's going to do really well in another four. Yeah, hopefully. Democrats also just need to learn how to fucking get in line. Organize. Like, it drives me nuts. Um, Because listen, Biden was not my top pick. He wasn't my fifth pick. Okay. I y'all remember I was like all in on Warren during the primaries. I knew she wasn't I knew she wasn't going to win the primaries, but the primaries are the time oh, when you you, you vote your <laughs> conscience, you know, you really back the candidate who most closely represents your values. Democrats are fucking terrible at coalescing behind the candidate because we have these ideological purity tests that we insist on everyone getting gold fucking stars across the board on. That's not how you win elections. And yeah, are there things that I disagree with Joe Biden on? Of course. Would I prefer him be in office over Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? Absolutely. That is the question you have to ask yourself when you're in the voting uh, booth. Yeah. And to your point about coalescing, Laura, When I was watching last night, Andrew Yang was on and he said that the insider information that he had is that he was told that it would be political suicide to challenge Biden in any type of primary if you were a Democratic hopeful. Well, he so is the incumbent. I mean, we don't need a fight yeah. amongst the Dems right now. Yeah, if Biden wants to run, then that's back that. to whether or not we think he's the right person to run. But that could be a whole other discussion. And and is Kamala his his VP choice again? Does she want to stay in that position? I think is going to be interesting to see. And I'm curious if it is Trump Biden, does the door open for an independent candidate to to make a decent run? Laura, I see you. Yeah. So I think, and it's not always going to be this way, I'm sure. But at this point, I think third party presidential candidates are a joke. Yeah. Um, Because if you're not putting in the legwork in state and local elections in every election to try and build your platform at the grassroots level, and you're only showing up once every four years to try and pull a few thousand votes away from a candidate and create an upset. Um, I think you're just a media whore at that point. Well, speaking of media whores, <laughs> let's say Trump doesn't get the GOP nomination. Does he run as a third party candidate? I could that see I could see. I could see that would be that. crazy. I would, I would, yeah. They and he'd screw so the pooch mad. because the vote would be so split and they would be so mad. Like, but he would have nothing to lose at that point, right? Right, yeah. The McWhopper He's party. He's just gonna sit back and watch the world burn. <laughs> the Coca-Cola party. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for now. But you uh, know what I heard, Andrew? I heard though that that Biden might make a cameo in the new Harry Potter TV show. <laughs> oh, okay. What a transition. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. No, no, no. It's the Just new bravo. season of, of, of House of the Dragon, Micah. Look at this background here. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Biden's coming on House of the Dragon now. He's going to be on Thrones. 
All right, we will get to the television reboot world in just a moment, but first we'll take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. All right, let's jump into talk of television reboots. So just to catch everybody up, a couple of weeks ago, Warner Brothers Discovery announced a reboot of the original seven Harry Potter books for television, with each book getting its own season and the promise of a, quote, decade long series. J.K. Rowling is going to be one of the executive producers, and the Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts producer David Heyman is reportedly in discussions to return to produce as well. People were very mixed on the news. Some love the idea. Some hate it because they feel it's still too soon after the original movies. Some hate it because they don't want to support anything J.K. Rowling is tied to anymore. Um, We'll get to Twilight in a little while, but Pam, I thought we should start with you here because we haven't gotten your thoughts yet. Our initial thoughts um, for the rest of us are over on MuggleCast. Uh, So what do you make of this news? So I wasn't surprised that the TV series reboot was something that they were kicking around behind the scenes because I, I just think that we always knew that that was going to be a given. They would cross that bridge at some point. But the timing definitely kind of threw me for a loop as well. I don't think that that is necessarily on my end because it feels too soon, although I do understand where that mindset comes from. And I think part of that, too, is just because the movies get played so much on cable. And for all intents and purposes, even the the um the first few hold up really well in terms of the special effects so they don't feel dated like some other things that get rebooted right but where i take issue with it is that even though we uh, we know that any reboot is a cash grab this feels like a blatant cash grab and also just kind of like a means to get back in the good graces of the fan base and obviously, that's a direct result of the fact that J.K. Rowling has fallen from grace over the course of the last few years. And also because everyone knows that Fantastic Beasts did not do very well. And it's probably really embarrassing for them that they had to quietly pull the plug on that end. So that's where I'm at. But I'll still watch because how can you not? <laughs> I'm Can't curious. Resist. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, even people who are saying they're not going to watch, they're going to try the first episode or two. They're going to do it in secret. There's so many people that are probably saying right now they're not going to watch publicly, but they'll, they'll yeah. be watching secretly. Just it's out gonna of curiosity. Be event tele- it's going to be event television. How can you resist that if you're like online in any capacity? Yeah. I mean, what if it I, it might suck? 
it could very well end up sucking and that'll be a huge bummer. But I think if you've been a longtime Harry Potter fan, it's going to be very hard for you to resist just giving an episode a shot, at least to get a sense of the vibe. How about Laura, Micah, Eric? Um, have your thoughts evolved at all over the last couple weeks? Well, if you go to patreon.com slash mugglecat. No, <laughs> <laughs> what was that so link we- again, Micah? I want to make sure I write this down. <laughs> I will say just to catch everybody up, if if you didn't hear that episode, we were all pretty optimistic about it. Uh, we have some concerns. We're already stressed about it now that it is actually happening because they could very well screw it up. Uh, we are not thrilled about the J.K. Rowling angle as well, but that is that was inevitable. There, there was no way they were going to do this without her, and there was no way she was going to let them do sure. it without her. I, I think one of important thing to add is is it's not just J.K. Rowling that's being brought on as executive producer. We talked about on MuggleCast how Neil Blair, who's Rowling's agent, is also an executive producer. I don't know if that's just a nice little hat tip to him because he's been her agent for so long. Also, Ruth Kenley Letts, who was responsible for the adaptation of Cormoran Strikes series to TV, is going to be working on this. So, there is a lot of ties back to J.K. Rowling, which I know, again, is not going to sit well with a lot of people. But to your point, you can't separate the author from her original work. And I, I, I just don't see that happening as long as she is still walking the face of the earth. It, it's her story. She's not going to let it go. Uh, but I think there there are positives here too, right? We, we heard that the budget is going to be in line with House of the Dragon. Um, so, uh, you know, that's something as a Potter fan to be excited about. They're going to spend money on the series. Hope they spend more money on the lighting because, my God, I can't stand how dark. And I'm not kidding how, how dark these episodes yellow, are. Please, big Some people wishes. are like, I don't see the problem that you're talking about. I swear to God, there is one episode of House of the Dragon that just infuriated me with how dark it was. Oh, yeah. Game of Thrones, too. Have they not learned anything since then? <laughs> like, oh. So it's all a ploy to sell brighter and brighter televisions. I still feel pretty stressed about this in terms of them getting it right. Uh, prior to them announcing this, it was just kind of like this beautiful fantasy that a lot of Harry Potter fans were dreaming of. And, oh, the possibilities, they're endless. And now, like, our expectations are so high for this, they could really give us the world if they wanted to. And by that, I mean so much more than the movies gave us. The prospects of that is very exciting, but at the same time, they could really let us down in that regard. That's what stresses me out now, because like this is our one shot at this in our lifetimes, probably. I, I still think it, it's too soon. And I know the question got thrown back to me is, is, okay, well, then when would it be the right time to do it? But I still feel like we're a little over 10 years removed from Deathly Hallows Part 2, and we're already adapting this to TV, it just it feels, to Pam's point, as, as if it's a cash grab. And if I'm David Heyman, do I really want to work on this? Honestly, like he's probably having flashbacks to when he first found Sorcerer's Stone and, and casted Dan, Emma, and Rupert. And does he want to go through that whole process again? Right. And he was he's been busy with Fantastic Beasts too, even more recently. He's been in the Wizarding World. Not anymore, but <laughs> No, no, but my point is like he's been in the Wizarding World very recently. Fantastic flub. <laughs> 
I think over on MogoCast, I posited that Heyman's uh, presence might be the number one check against uh, or like for like a quality show that might be made. But I also don't think that Heyman in particular has anything to prove. He really has overseen uh, all of the films. And while they may not be some of our most favorite adaptations of fiction uh, in movie form, especially ones that have come out since, uh, I think he did a bang up job really guiding that whole world to its natural conclusion in movie form. So I would understand and respect if he stepped away for the TV show. I will also say, like Harry Potter aside, he was also involved with the Paddington movies. I will die on the hill that those are some of like, the best movies I've seen in the last <laughs> 10 years. They're so good. It's like they have no business being as good as they are, but it's just wonderful <laughs> filmmaking. Of, so. of the Harry Potter cast in them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Remember so I, I think that like his track record overall, Potter aside, but obviously like you have to include Potter in there as well. Like David Haven has a good track record. So. Yeah. yeah. Like let's not tarnish that. Like just, you know, if he just doesn't. Like, no, I mean, Look, he did an amazing job with the series, and you could tell we interviewed him on MuggleCast. I don't even know how many years ago it was at this point. It's but more than 10. It's more than 10, but uh, his his passion for the series came through. But Andrew, you joked on MuggleCast about how Stuart Craig is up there. Like David Heyman's 60. I mean, that's not old, but maybe he has other things that he wants to work on to the points that were raised. I guess with television, you could be an executive producer or producer for a few years and just leave halfway through the series. Like you see this on long, long running television shows all the time. I'm sure Grey's Anatomy, for example, has changed hands many times. It has. It's, yeah, it's just what happens yeah. when yeah. a TV show gets really long in the tooth. But it is worth pointing out that this series is being billed as a decade long venture. So if they're looking to have the same you know, production team from start to finish. That's a really big commitment when you're 60 years old. I guess what you could do is like come in and set the tone for the first couple of seasons and then be like, don't change Then it. dip. <laughs> then dip. Right. Peace. I'm, I'm out to work on Paddington 5. Please <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> well, to that point that Laura's making, I mean, so based on what I've uh, gathered from, you know, official information coming out of the HBO heads and such about this. I think we're probably looking at a turnaround of maybe two, three years for season one. So if you factor that into a decade long project, and that is assuming that they don't take two years off in between episodes, which sometimes HBO properties tend to do, you're looking at minimum, you know, maybe 13 to 15 years from this um, point forward. It, with regards to like when we'll get the final season. So would that still make it feel too soon? I guess that's the big question, right? If you're looking at the overall timeline and right. I think maybe it doesn't because then that movie is almost 20 years old. Right, exactly. That's that's my feeling on the is it too soon thing. Yes, Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out in 2011. Um, so 12 years ago, but the first movie came out in 2001, which is 22 years ago. So really we're getting the start of this series book one in a television show 20, it's going to be like 25 years after the first movie came out. So like there is distance there. I think, I think what hangs people up is you watch the movies today and they still look really good and they were so well done that they are timeless. So it's it's hard to accept 
a new a reimagining of these stories, if you will. And I totally understand that. Um, and I think it's going to be weird for a little while seeing these new characters or seeing these new actors. But after a couple episodes, we'll probably get used to it. Again, so long as it's very good. Yeah. And I raised this on, this is sounding like an ad for MuggleCast. We are going to divert. Um, <laughs> I raised this on MuggleCast too. If they open the first episode of season one with something we haven't seen before, just pick up before um, Harry being placed on the Dursley's doorstep. Follow the nights that Voldemort killed Harry's parents. Like spend the whole episode just on that. That would be amazing. And that would say, hey guys, we're giving you something new with this TV series. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal something in an email that we're gonna have on an upcoming episode of MuggleCast. But how about starting it out with Snape overhearing the prophecy? That'd be great. Yeah. Ooh, yes. I would love that. But I wonder if like my only qualm with that idea is that it gives too much away going forward, which seems kind of like a funny thing to say, because at this point, like the roadmap exists. So there are no spoilers. That's a great point. Yeah. But I just kind of feel like they won't play it that way because they're still going to want to build up the mystery and intrigue for anybody that like has been living under a rock for however many years the books have been out. Yeah. So. I mean, I think the assumption is that most people watching this show are going to know but right. I think they could play coy with it. Um, for one, they could just show that somebody is overhearing something, but not you who know, it is. not show that it yeah. was Snape who heard it. And Snape also only overheard part of the prophecy, right? So they could use that to their advantage too, make it so that viewers are only hearing part of the prophecy mm, and then it yeah, comes yeah. back later. Yeah. So that could be fun. It it's also important to remember that we're in this situation because things like Fantastic Beasts did not land well, right? I feel yeah. like Warner Brothers and HBO would have taken probably a little bit of a different approach to what was going to be available on the streaming service if the Fantastic Beasts franchise had been a success. Yeah, and yet they still rope themselves to the same writer or like the same, like they haven't really gone that far from different creators uh, necessarily. Like I still blame the failure of the Fantastic Beasts uh, series to its head writer, J.K. Rowling. And it's it's interesting that the um, new TV show, obviously, for what you're saying, I think earlier, Laura, too, it's not like they're ever going to divorce that, like the books from her. Um, and the books are the international best-selling, probably the best-selling book series of all time. So there's that. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. They're just like trying to ignore that the writer. I just hope that if you ever need to fill in the between the cracks, like we're talking about showing new footage that wasn't already adapted or new scenes that weren't already adapted, that you hire more writers to do that, that haven't worked on the series before. I'm sure that they're going to have to because a television show of this magnitude is such a huge, huge undertaking. There's no way they're not going to have a writer's room. And to your point about JK Rowling really missing the mark as a screenplay writer for Fantastic Beasts. I mean, I think we just have to hold on to the fact that she's being billed right now as an executive producer, not a showrunner, not a writer. So <laughs> well, look, and I don't, I don't, I don't find as many flaws in the books. There are some, but I don't, yeah. you know. I, but there's I, definitely stuff like if you're talking about just visually that like, I'm sure that 
all of us take issue with as far as the movies go. So in that sense, it is exciting to be like, well, maybe we don't have that really awkward moment where Voldemort just disintegrates at the end of Deathly Hallows. Like maybe he actually dies like a man, which is like a much more fitting ending. So yeah. Crimes of Grindelwald. Here are my unfiltered thoughts on Fantastic Beasts <laughs> that I can't say on MuggleCast. Crimes of Grindelwald was fucking garbage. J.K. Rowling, like Eric said, was given like a free pass to write Crimes of Grindelwald, and they're just going to be like, "Yeah, Joe, whatever the hell you want," because you did write Fantastic Beasts one, you and it was good. Fantastic Beasts one was good, and you are the author of Harry Potter. You know, do whatever the heck you want. And she comes up with this, and it was just so. It was so bad. No matter how many times I watch it, I still cannot believe it got, It was this bad. It's, and apparently nobody at Warner Brothers wanted to say to her, hey, this fucking sucks. And then I guess they like uh, got her in a room and had an intervention with her for movie three and said, we need she wrote movie three and then they she rewrote it rewrote it with steve clovis secrets of Dumbledore is is a screenplay by jk rowling and steve clovis based on a screenplay by jk rowling <laughs> they burned her first one and redid it it's because she she tried to backdoor pilot us we thought we were getting yeah. one story yeah. and then she was like just kidding it's actually a dumbledore origin story and no one was prepared for that so they completely lost the plot Ideally, it doesn't happen with the show because the books are right there. Like, I just they would have to try really hard to to fuck this up. Honestly, I agree. Like, they would have to try really hard. I'm still looking for the Great Avenger with wings from the water. Where's that? (laughs) Yeah, we never got that answer. Nor did we ever find out why wizards were on the fucking Titanic. But you know, I. We have some great theories about that prophecy and stuff. It's really sad. We'll never know what the fuck was actually going on in J.K. Rowling's mind when it came to that whole mystery. Actually, I'm grateful for not knowing. I feel like I need a psychiatrist every time I see the end of Crimes of Grindelwald because I cannot compute what the fuck is happening with that backstory. It It is just mind numbing to me. Yeah. All the checks and balances failed. Like oh. that's that's the one mark I'll put on Heyman's record. Just being like, oh. you couldn't stop it. Yates couldn't stop it. Nobody could. Nobody could fix that movie. Nobody well, could. Stop, <laughs> nobody <laughs> could stop her. She is the anime. She is Voldemort. <laughs> I mean, who who was gonna say no to J.K. Rowling at that point exactly. in time? Now I think they're more prepared to say no to her. Yeah, they're emboldened to because uh, Harry Potter was flashing warning signals on the command center, like that everything was about <laughs> to implode. They also just like don't need her in the same way that they needed her for Fantastic Beasts or for the movies when they were originally coming out. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, and the beauty of the TV show is they are rebooting the original seven books is they've got a great story and they don't need to depend on her to create this because it's she already right. has the bones of it together. Yeah. Like, could she give us more material with regards to something that's not already out there? Of course, but... There's so much that the movies did not have time to cover that are that already exists in the books. Like they don't even need her to come up with extra stuff. There's B plots, C plots, D plots galore in Ron's the books. Character development could yeah. be a part yeah. on the Give TV him some show. Writing lines the that he actually had in the book. Please like, and thank yeah. you. It's, you know, getting back real quick to this whole who's going to tell J.K. Rowling, no, this is like a it's 
I don't know what to call it, maybe like a billionaire disease. You get so much money, you think, and you become so successful, you think you're always right. But you actually need people around you, guardrails, to keep you from running off the tracks. J.K. Rowling, Elon Musk is another great example of this. The Twitter stuff has been a disaster. But things that Tesla and SpaceX, yeah, that spaceship crashed, but that was like not a big deal in SpaceX's mind. SpaceX and Tesla have gone well because he's got people around him. He has a board he has to answer to. Like people are keeping him in check. Twitter, it's just the freaking wild west for him. And he just wakes up and is like, eh, delete all the blue checks, whatever. It, these people. <laughs> did you hear about his supposed burner account that I did? Came out? Yeah. Like, yes. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that there is a certain level of wealth. That once you obtain it, it does something chemical to your brain because we see it all the time with billionaires. They they're just not grounded or connected with reality in any way. And this was actually a point that uh, Hassan Minaj made when he was hosting. I think he was hosting The Daily Show briefly um, after Trevor Noah's exit. He talked about how. Billionaires who don't have anything else to do are really good at inventing problems that don't exist to be outraged about. And that's something that J.K. Rowling is doing actively right now as well. Um, And I agree that they really don't need her to do a Harry Potter show. I think that she has an ironclad contract that requires them to include her in some capacity. Yeah. I think that's I, the main reason why she's there. I would, well, yeah, I, I would argue though that Warner Brothers slash HBO needs something Harry Potter, especially in oh, the yeah. streaming world. Definitely. Because yeah. every day that goes by that they don't have something that's new and different that's within the wizarding world on their platforms, they're losing a lot of money. Oh, I agree. They need Harry Potter, but they don't actually need J.K. Rowling. They've got the source material. And if they were allowed to bring other creators into the sandbox, they could probably come up with some really compelling um, content if they wanted to expand the wizarding world successfully, since their last venture into doing that really wasn't all that successful. That's what this announcement is lacking for me, just to put a lid on the whole Harry Potter TV series. Is any uh, fresh idea? Any feeling that this idea is fresh or new um, to do the Harry Potter TV series? The only thing new about it is the medium slightly different. Everything else yeah. feels like a cash grab reboot. And I guess as they staff up, we will hopefully experience that feeling. Oh, this is fresh and new based on who they're hiring. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't want to just pull everybody from the movies. So let's look at Twilight's. This just came a week after the Harry Potter news. It was reported that Lionsgate is developing a reboot of the original Twilight books with author Stephanie Meyer expected to be involved with the project. This one seems a little further along, actually, than the Harry Potter project. Sinead Daly, whose credits include Tell Me Lies, The Walking Dead World Beyond, Raised by Wolves, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency and The Get Down is attached to write the script for Twilight. Sources say Daly is working with Lionsgate TV to determine what the specific take on Twilight will be and if it will be a remake of Meyer's books or a different offshoot. I imagine now they're looking at the Harry Potter news and being like, oh, shit, if they, if they can get away with it, I guess we probably can, too, because Twilight did come 
around the same time as the Harry Potter movies and a very large success. I mean, Laura, Pam, and I were all involved in the Twilight fandom, and I have to say, and I still stand by it, stand by this feeling, Twilight was very refreshing after Harry Potter. It was just something something new to talk about, and the books were fun. The movies were fun. It was a fun fandom, so no regrets. I'm still a very proud Twilight fan, but I think they really do see it like kind of it was a follow-up of sorts to Harry Potter in terms of fandom size and scale and passion. So if they're looking at Harry Potter becoming a TV series, they probably are leaning more towards just doing a straight reboot of the Twilight books, not to mention, as we're we've kind of been discussing with Harry Potter, it's most likely the safest choice. There was a rumor close to a little over 10 years ago that they were going to do some sort of Wolfpack reboot. To be clear, there is a Wolfpack titled movie coming, but that's a Teen Wolf spinoff. This, I'm talking Twilight That's Wolfpack. actually already out, I think. Oh, it's out. Okay. I think, too, Andrew, to what you were saying, this uh, Twilight was one of the first books that was marketed as the next Harry Potter. So I think even on our minds, if you hear that Harry Potter's getting one thing like its own TV show, you expect Twilight to follow. That said, I don't see why there would be necessarily a huge buy-in from anybody or like any promise of quality um like i read the books i like the books uh i even liked the first movie a whole heck of a lot saw it like three times in theaters um but i can't get over this tweet that i saw a few days ago when this was announced um that author stephanie meyer will be involved in the twilight reboot the tweet I saw from Sherilyn Eaton said, other people besides weird, rich, self-absorbed white ladies with problematic views on minorities have written things. <laughs> At least Stephanie Meyer's keeping quiet, though. And I'm like, well, She's got the good now, sense right? to do that. <laughs> for now. Smartest yeah. thing that a very rich person has done is stayed off social media. <laughs> Look, like the books are problematic. I mean, we get into that, but I, it just, you know, The Twilight was a cultural I, like phenomenon. I feel comfortable referring to it as that. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that it warrants a revisit after a decade and a half. And if anyone thinks I'm being like hypocritical here, I also don't think Harry Potter books need a revisit either in TV form, but they're getting well, one. Laura Pam too soon for Twilight. Agree with Eric or I, I, it feels too soon for Twilight because we know that Twilight um, on the timeline came out much sooner than Harry Potter did both books and movies. Um, but I will say to the point of whether or not there's an audience here for this, it's hard to say, but I will point to the fact that, you know, the twilight Renaissance has been going strong over on TikTok. I know we bring that up every once in a while on here, but it's hard to say whether those fans would jump over to a series or not, because I think part of the allure of getting involved in that kind of content on platforms like TikTok is that they're really kind of rooted in these tongue-in-cheek, good-natured jokes that directly relate to the movies as they stand. Uh, obviously, you know, I also um, am very fond of Twilight just because I'm very grateful for what that did as far as helping me launch my own career outside of podcasting. But I I also think that in contrast to Harry Potter, there's not as much there to go off of in terms of source material to really kind of make a show that's going to feel well-rounded. And I think that we saw a lot of the holes that were already in the ship when those movies came out. And yeah. um, it's unfortunate that, in my opinion, I just feel like 
uh, Twilight is a great example of a a story that works well in book form because you can forgive a lot of those holes, but it just does not translate as well in movie form in terms of expanding on that world. Yeah. So I mean, they'd the have a lot is, more work to do. Yeah. I, I think the point is it ain't that deep. That That's really what it is when it comes to Twilight. And I remember us back in the day when we hosted Imprint, we did take some flack because you know, there there were some in the fandom who, you know, completely understandably loved these stories in a different way than we did. And I feel like our approach to them was more the, these are really fun beach books. They're an enjoyable read, but we're going to be tongue in cheek about it. And we're going to kind of make fun of them because they're easy to make fun of. Some people didn't really like that, right? But I think that might be what executives are missing about the current Twilight Renaissance is that that's really the vibe. That's where people are at. It's all good natured. But people love it because it's campy and fun. And I Mm -hmm. think if they want to do a successful Twilight show, I think the viewers would be there for it. But one, I think they got to lean in to how campy (laughs) the source material is. And two, it it can't be a drawn out thing. It would need to be like a limited series because to Pam's point, there's just not that much source material to work with to justify a multi-season show. But then what the hell is the point if it is limited series? Like, what are they doing it for? To rev up the fandom again and then launch another spinoff, like the For whole money, you can see Andrew. the point of the yeah, yeah but that's a limited time. But wait a second, like with Warner Brothers and Harry Potter, it's very clear. They in- announced this at an investor day and they said this is a ten year project, baby. They can't do that with Twilight. So if it's a limited series, and I agree with you, it should be a limited series. But then I just ask myself, what is the point if they're doing this to what gain some subscribers on Lionsgate Plus or wherever the fuck <laughs> this would go? I just and the thing about the Twilight show, I do think it's too soon. And at least with the Harry Potter show, people are asking for that. Not everybody, but people are out there asking for this. With Twilight, nobody was asking for this. Mm-hmm. So I think you have a better shot of getting Robert Pattinson to show up on the Harry Potter TV show than you do on the Twilight <laughs> <agree>. TV show. <laughs> or make Batman Robert Pattinson appear on the Twilight show. That could be yeah, yeah, yeah. compelling and save Bella from this. F- freaky predator edward (laughs) (laughs) what i see though is just and and i have not read the twilight series i've seen parts of the films um it's just a lack of originality like that that's a theme that i feel like is pervasive through this entire conversation is and and laura i'm going back to what you talked about on MuggleCast, which was opportunity 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 if we're going to remake Harry Potter, we're going to remake Twilight, and we're not going to expand the universe in any way, and we're not going to be creative, then what's the point? Yep. Like, yeah. Protect the originals. Like with Star Wars, they didn't remake episodes four, five, and six. They went with one, two, three, and then seven, eight, and nine. Now, we could have a whole conversation about whether they were good or not, but the originals were protected. Lord of the Rings. Are they going to remake those movies? I know they tried a little TV adaptation, but it wasn't the same story. It wasn't the right. same narrative. Like I feel like those movies are going to be protected. 
for a period of time, protect the original Harry Potter movies. I'm starting a campaign. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, while we move along to some other examples of reboots, Laura, you put together some uh, timelines this for is us. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I thought we could look at a couple of different um, sort of like major motion picture, but as well as TV um, reboots that have happened. So let's talk about Spider-Man. And I'm not uh, talking about the Tom Holland Spider-Man. I feel like that is kind of a special example because that was sort of woven into the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, you know, if you haven't seen the if you haven't seen Spider-Man 3 in the latest Spider-Man franchise, it helps tie up some of the loose ends from the other um, Spider-Man franchises. But we had the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies from 2002 to th- 2007. Then we had the Andrew Garfield movies from 2012 to 2014. So think about this. We had Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire come out in 2007. And then The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield in 2012. And five years later, I know I know you said we weren't counting Tom Holland, but 2017 was the Tom Holland one yeah. in Homecoming. So five years, three Spider-Mans, not including the fact that uh, Spider-Verse came out with a totally different Spider-Man. Yep. And the Marvel's Spider-Man video game, which at this point has a narrative that's movie size, also came out. We've had five Spider-Mans in major, major, major media in the last 20 years. But you know what? It's And what's interesting about this, and with these other examples, I think we'll be able to address this too, it worked with these Spider-Man movies. People continued to eat them up. Nobody had complaints. I guess... The thing about Spider-Man, well, they did rehash the same story again and again, didn't they? It's just yeah. the origin story, though, right? And yeah. I mean, I do give them props for in terms of like Tom Holland's Spider-Man that they kind of figured out how to subvert that in a way that was really compelling. But like, yes, I think that like when you look at the origin story of Spider-Man, everybody's kind of sick and tired of seeing Uncle Ben kick the bucket. We don't really need that. But at least... Um, Toby's Peter Parker and his storyline is a little bit different from Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. So mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's not to their credit. It's not the same story from start to finish. Yeah. But right. I will say, I mean, the reason for all of this is because Sony wanted to hang on to their rights to Spider-Man. That's that's, <laughs> that's really the, best the reason. reason to make a movie. <laughs> And I I remember when The Amazing Spider-Man got announced, we were in college. I was like, what the fuck? We just had a whole ass Spider-Man franchise. What are they doing? And it's because of that. It's because Sony wanted to maintain a death grip on the Spider-Man IP. And they've, you know, they really intelligently finally decided to say, Let's let this mingle with the other Marvel properties. And I think that made it better. They got a lot out of that deal. Yeah. That very last, yeah, most recent deal. That made me very proud. Yeah. Finally, they did something that made sense. <laughs> but speaking of superheroes, let's talk about Batman. And we could go into all of the Batman properties, but let's just focus on movies. So we had the Dark Knight trilogy. From 2005 to 2012, we have the DC Extended Universe get started in 2016. And now we have this new The Batman 
uh, series that kicked off in 2022, that's running concurrently with releases from the DC Extended Universe, all the same studio, different Batman. Including Robert Pattinson. Yeah. And actually- yep. He's been in all three of these. <laughs> yeah. And actually, uh, I, I'll say the Batman was really good. I liked it. I haven't seen it yet. I've been I've been wanting to. Yeah, I'm going to. I think with these, you can say there was a fresh take with each of them. The DC Extended Universe has definitely been criticized heavily, but Dark Knight Trilogy, very well received. The Batman, also very well received. So I, it's worked. I'm being optimistic here. Yeah, it has. But it's, as a viewer who doesn't understand what the studio is doing and that they're just doing this because of like contractual and monetary reasons, it's fucking confusing to see the same studio pumping out two different franchises that include Batman at the same time. Do you mean Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad? Right. <laughs> totally different uh, movies. Or also the fact that there, there was just a Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. They're yeah. filming a sequel right now. And, you know, if you haven't seen the Batman at this point, I feel like Statute of Limitations has passed. Like, Taking my earphones out. Go oh, ahead. Okay. <laughs> oh, never mind. I'll hear it when editing. Go ahead. Yeah. There, Joker is introduced in the after credit scene in the Batman. Not the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. They have three oh. Jokers going right now yeah. consistently because as far as I know... The Jared Leto Suicide Squad Joker spinoffs are still and this on is, the table. This is so. only 15 years after Heath Ledger's death following Dark Knight. Right. Um, where that iconic, I believe, Academy Award winning portrayal of the Joker. It was, so, yes. Like, James Gunn's going to sort all this out. Right. Sure. But, <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> I, one of the things that I think is fascinating about this, though, is that you can even extend Batman back into like the late. 80s and into the 90s in terms of all of the different Batman films that you had and all the different Batman that you had. You had, you know, Michael Keaton and then you had Val Kilmer and then you had George Clooney. So it's like, do we need to keep reinventing the same story over and over again? Like I I'd only enjoy it because they were introducing new villains. Like that's what I look for. Yeah. I, I could care less about Batman, Robin, and Alfred, you know. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Joker's a great villain, but- Mr. Freeze. Uh, yeah. Give, let's... give us Clayface, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> like, give us we need Arnold something and different. Jim Carrey. And... Yeah. <laughs> that was such a good movie. Um, there's also uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which, again, has a very long filmography, if you're including everything. But if we're looking at recent history, there was um, the failed- Michael Bay movies from 2014 to 2016. That was supposed to be three movies, I think. Um, but they ended up scrapping it after the second movie um, did shit at the box office. But then there's this Mutant Mayhem, Mutant Mayhem, which is an animated feature coming this year. I think part of this, too, is like it's interesting to frame it as the studios are doing these money grabs. But I think in certain instances, like the examples that are being provided, the audience is ready for it. The mm -hmm. audiences are eating these up. Um, we're open to the idea of another Batman. You told me tomorrow they were casting somebody totally different as Batman. Like I would probably be like, oh, interesting. I might consider seeing that movie like the the fatigue isn't necessarily there. That would be like a good check against some of this uh, behavior. 
And it's sad because I think on the one hand, we prefer maybe like just the familiar stories. We're not as, um, we haven't shown that what we want is new content that we haven't seen before, new universes that we really haven't shown with our dollars in any meaningful way that we don't want to be coddled by these same old franchises. So there, there just isn't, I mean, think of all the stories with all these announcements, all these TV series getting greenlit that were movie series. Like there's going to be so fewer stories told that are new and original because of this too. Like original stories are not getting greenlit. Well, I think part of that too is because if you're like, let's just say you're heading out to the movies to spend your hard earned money on a ticket. $25. (laughs) Exactly. Probably you want to spend those $25 on something that you know is going to be a sure thing. You're already familiar with the Batman story. It's got a lot of buzz. Yeah, I'm going to buy a ticket to see that um, and not buy a ticket to see this like indie film that I haven't heard much about that doesn't have like a big star studded cast attached to it. So I think it's hard to entice people towards originality Uh, which is really quite sad because, you know, even like when you look at like um, the case of Booksmart, for example, Booksmart was one of those movies that really popped off completely original script, but it notoriously did not do well at the box office. It was a great movie too. Mm -hmm. It really was. Um, You know, it could also be if we're talking about feeling a level of fatigue around the potential of a Potter reboot maybe part of that is because we're too close to it and we live and breathe Harry Potter (laughs) maybe more than the Eh. average consumer does. So perhaps I think a lot of people online are saying it's too soon too. it's not just that. Okay. Okay. But, but maybe if we weren't inundated with fantastic beasts and theme parks and stores and everything else, then maybe to your point, yes, maybe everybody would be feeling uh, fresher about it. That's true. Well, I've got a couple of examples, too, that are maybe a little closer in concept. So um, a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket. Um, There was a 2004 movie, and this ended up getting rebooted as a Netflix TV series from 2017 to 2019. Um, So we're talking about similar-ish time spans here. Um, His Dark Materials also had a 2007 movie based on Philip Pullman's first book in that trilogy, um, The Golden Compass, and then their, you know, HBO Max launched a series um, that ran from 2019 to 2022 based on the books. So we have seen this before. It's not unprecedented and both pretty well received again i know the Mm -hmm. netflix show was was very well received i think um and the movie was good enough (laughs) yeah the movie was okay i'm interested in knowing if uh where it netted out on the adaptation of the books though the series when it ended uh of i don't know pam did do you know did they see all the books through in the TV for show, which one? Series of unfortunate events. They did, yes. They did. Okay, that yeah. that's good. Show. Good for them. Like, I'm glad it wasn't canceled before they could do that. Micah, you liked it? Yeah, I didn't read the books, but I thought the show was great. Oh. I thought the show was good too. I, the movie should good read the too, books. The show's great. Yeah. My brother loved the books when he was growing up. Yeah, they had a big moment. Mm-hmm. It was that was a they really did. big um, cultural moment. So quickly, we can jump ahead to talking about some of the random ass casting rumors. I'm sure everybody has seen some of these, particularly on TikTok. 
Um, really? I haven't seen this. Really? What's going on? So there are a number of, at least on TikTok, videos coming out with uh, the alleged casting for the Harry Potter TV show. They're from these accounts that in some cases claim to be industry insiders who know the cast. And first of all, it just doesn't make any sense because they're listing, um, you know, child actors for the main three. And when you go and look up these child actors, they're like already 14 years old right now. So clearly too old to be starting out in year one at Hogwarts. Um, There are also names like Helen Mirren being thrown around, which I would say seems like maybe one of the more likely uh, fan castings to happen just because of Helen Mirren's connection already with Harry Potter and with Max because of hosting Tournament of Houses. But they're throwing around a lot of really big name actors like uh, Tim Roth is on the list that some people have been circulating. Um, I think I saw one Snape? do he, what he turned down Snape. Yeah, I really would like I wish we would have gotten that version of Snape. Not. Yeah, that, and I loved Alan Rickman. But it's too old now. I the, my one wish for the right. series is cast age appropriate Marauders, meaning thirty three. Yes, Adam like, Driver. When it when it comes to casting rumors online and just opening this up beyond Harry Potter or any other specific show or movie, I think there's obviously there's so much misinformation online. But it seems like especially dangerous on TikTok where you're quickly flipping through and you see some text that it's like hot Harry Potter casting rumor. And another thing I hate about TikTok is there's no dates as far as I can tell on the videos. Maybe it's buried somewhere. So you can't tell how recent a video is, which is Mm. problematic for a few reasons when you're trying to verify information. And it's just so easy to accept anything you see on TikTok and then swipe on. And I think in this day and age, that's how some of this these casting rumors run rampant online. Somebody brought up to us, maybe it was at one of the Patreon events that we do, that um, you know they had heard this casting rumor and they were kind of talking like it was real. There is nothing like that happening right now for no. Harry Potter or Twilight. No. So do not buy any of this. Yeah, I've had to have a couple conversations with people in my life who were like, hey, did you hear they cast so-and-so in the Harry Potter show? And I'm like, no. People, like, you should need to take a media literacy class before you get to use the internet. <laughs> What's that state that banned TikTok? Maybe they're on to something. <laughs> the whole state banned it. What state was that? I don't know. It just happened a week or two ago. Montana. Montana. Go ahead. How do you regulate that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yes, the ISPs, the ban access. I don't know. I was just going to say really quickly, if you're somebody that tends to get swept up in um, pop culture news talk on TikTok, if the person is not citing their sources and will not respond to questions about people asking for sources, chances are it's a bad tip. And also if the sources aren't really coming from deadline Variety, Hollywood Reporter, most likely it's not happening. So just take it with a grain of salt. And it's just a really good rule of thumb. Like, I don't believe anything unless those three are reporting on it pretty much. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then also, a lot of people like, just in, do it for views and clicks. Yeah. It's like, and then you can get into like the jargon too. Like, in talks usually means that it's a done deal, but rumored is like probably not made up. So, like sometimes it's like rooted in a good tip, but most of the time I would like place my bet on it if it's like a rumored casting. So far, all the casting I've heard of is lazy to me. Like, we could have come up with that idea. Yeah, like Adam Driver as Snape is like, it's too on the money, right? That's like too much of a fan cast. Yeah, honestly, I don't even want that. I know people thirst over Adam Driver as Snape, but it's... We don't need people thirsting over Snape, though. And it's just, it's basic. Like, it's like, oh, tall, skinny, white guy with dark hair. Like, perfect Mm -hmm. Snape. Who can be moody. Yeah, Yeah. like, give me something new. But listen, I'm also not fully above getting pandered to. So, like, if they want to go with the quintessential online fan casting for the Marauders, which would be Ben Barnes, Andrew Garfield, and Aaron Taylor Johnson, I wouldn't be mad. Okay, yes so to I'm Ben just Barnes. Put that out there. Yes to Ben Barnes. All and day he and all would. Night. He might do it too because I don't know if anybody here watches Shadow and Bone or kind of knows about how he got involved with it. But he was a really popular fan cast for. The Darkling, and he knew this, and he asked to audition because he knew he's like very well aware of like what he gets fan cast in and stuff. And so, out of the three of them, I feel like he would be down to sign on. So he was in Narnia and mm-hmm. uh, the Marvel's Punisher or Marvel's mm. um, Daredevil, I think one of those. Yeah. So just be mindful of that, everybody. There's a lot of misinformation out there about casting no matter what project it is and obviously the bigger the project the the more uh, tempting it is for some of these quote-unquote sources to share their quote-unquote reports yeah and uh just just to get your attention and get that ad money sounds like fox news of the casting world right (laughs) (laughs) yeah somebody in our discord mentioned and this is definitely worth bringing up percy jackson is basically being rebooted it was a movie series it kind of fell apart but um, Disney Plus is rebooting it. The fandom's very excited about that. Maybe uh, getting back to Laura's question, why do people feel like it's too soon for Harry Potter? Maybe because people are just burnt out on J.K. Rowling. It's not so much that the movies feel recent, but maybe it's just the J.K. Rowling burnout. And again, Fantastic Beasts. I don't know. But yeah, you really don't see too soon coming up with Percy Jackson or any of these others that we've been spouting off, I, I think. Well, and that's no. an example, too, of of quality, um, because the Percy Jackson films were, I think, largely detested by its fans. Um, so and the author himself, he was very vocal about that. He hated the movies. Yeah, there's an example where the reason to do the TV show is quite apparent, which is like, okay, there were some mistakes, whatever, whatever. The studio system was so messed up when those movies were coming out. Everyone was chasing Harry Potter. So, you know, they didn't get to treat it, the property for all of its like individual nuance and a TV show would. So great. Good for them. And the author, Rick Riordan, is involved now, which fans are very excited about. And fairly progressive, too, which is great. Oh, Mm -hmm. very. Mm -hmm. His books are very diverse. Right, Pam? I think. Yeah, yeah. And he also, I think he does a lot behind the scenes to um, like um, build up diversity in the publishing world and stuff like that. So we're big fans. Yeah. We did an episode on that with uh, Karen Routes Mm -hmm. from uh, Hypable actually a couple of years ago. 
in After Dark today, we're going to talk more about casting, but recent casting drama. There's been some drama related to the Lilo and Stitch remake. We're going to talk about um, this was good, Black Hermione in The Cursed Child, and if they might carry that over to the TV show. And then um, some concerns about Twilight as well. Pam will lead that discussion for us in After Dark today. That'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. To wrap up our reboot discussion today, let's all just quick round um, predict what will be rebooted next. My vote is The Hunger Games. They have a spinoff movie coming later this year, I believe. But I think Lionsgate's going to look at The Hunger Games too and be like, well, unlike Twilight, there's like a billion other Hunger Games tournaments we can actually do shows around. There's actually been a desire for that from fans and each of those could be a season. I think that's like a shoe in idea for that's them. So neat. yeah, hunger games TV would be my bet. Mine's kind of cheating a little bit because it is apparently something that's going to happen eventually, but I forgot about it because Netflix hasn't announced anything new. Um, I was saying a Narnia TV series and just to check myself, I went on Google and was reminded that Netflix did announce that they have plans for Narnia, uh, but that was back in 2018, and nothing has been announced since then. Um, so who knows? But I do think that Narnia is really ripe for a TV series. I think there would be I a lot to do there. I hope they start with The Magician's Nephew, which mm-hmm. is my favorite oh. That was also uh, my favorite yeah. books and chronologically yeah. the first it's, it Same. could be really world mind bending in a really cool mm-hmm. way. Well, I was feeling a little apathetic with this uh, topic of these like early aughts films being rebooted as TVs. But uh, not only are these previous suggestions very good, but I actually got myself ridiculously excited when I came up with mine. Um, hello. Technically 1999, not early aughts, but the sequel was 01. The Mummy. I want to see a mummy TV series, which has already been rebooted universal when they were doing their monster mayhem kind of mashup films, tried to do the mummy starring Tom Cruise. So a lot of money behind it. And that was fine, but it wasn't the um, late nineties most bisexual icon movie of all time. uh, (laughs) The mummy, everyone in that film is beautiful and it's got a good story. It's got good action. A lot of opportunities for uh, that to be developed into a TV series. So I'm all for that. Yeah, for me, uh, you know, I, I looked online a little bit, and, and I'm honestly shocked at some of the things that they're planning to, <laughs> to reboot. Mike is uh, repulsed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, good luck. But <laughs> you know, as as we did this episode. I feel like I want to stay. I have a choice in here, but I feel like I want to stay more so on the sci-fi side of things. I I could see them rebooting the X Files. Oh, okay. Well, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Maybe with a little bit of a younger cast, you could maybe have Mulder and Scully make some cameos. Could be interesting. And they did try like a revival a few years ago. Well, there have been but like with- three or four actually yeah. revivals. And movies yeah. too, right? Did mm-hmm. they do? Yeah, the yeah revival film, and then it's a season, and then a short season. And then I picked True Blood because I just feel like if this Hunger Games, I'm mean, sorry, if this uh, Twilight series actually gets the green light, then maybe HBO will double down and see this as a 
you know, vampire renaissance overall and try and bring <laughs> True Blood back. True Blood was a really big moneymaker for them. I loved that show. Yeah, Such me a great too. summer show. Mm-hmm. You know, Pam, I did that did ring a bell and I just looked it up quickly. They were working on a reboot. Remember that? A yeah, few years I do ago? remember that. I don't know if they ever did anything with it. So like, see, I, I feel like maybe the odds are good <laughs> in terms well, of it, this. But it, it's officially dead as of February, according to this article I'm reading on Collider. Uh, maybe they'll, but, maybe but they'll change their mind. In, in, no, in True Blood, don't things die, but they're undead. They come back. Isn't that yeah. the vampire show? Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, yeah, I would still feel optimistic it would come back at some point because I, again, I, I really loved it. So I was just thinking about True Blood the other day. It's so funny. The theme song came out in the shower, the Jace Everett Bad Things. At least that's <laughs> in the, the shower. Earlier. Yeah. Oh, Do you absolutely. listen to music while showering? You got a Bluetooth uh, country shower music, speaker? Yeah. Jace country Everett, music. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, 100%. That and Johnny Cash. If Chloe was here, she'd be like, let me join you in the shower when she heard the country music part. It's a good song. I think they should reboot Game of Thrones, honestly. <laughs> it's too soon. Oh, my God. Just the last season. Not enough spinoffs greenlit for you. You know what? It's been almost 20 years. Why don't they reboot MuggleCast, you guys? <laughs> Are you guys going to pick your successors? Oh, yeah. yeah. We should do that for April Fool's Day. We're rebooting the show. I cast Idris Elba as myself. <laughs> I mean, the resemblance is uncanny, so why wouldn't in you? Many, in many ways, except he can act a little better. Andrew, I got to read this email, though, at some point. I don't know if you okay, want to you save it read for it. After so dark. How, how do we, we want to We're going to address on the show some of the negative feedback we get when we criticize um, J.K. Rowling on MuggleCast because people don't like that we're expressing our personal opinions <laughs> and we're deeply disturbed uh, by what she's been doing. You know, we do make a passing comment from time to time saying we're not happy with her. And people can't take that we criticize her for 20 seconds on a 90-minute podcast. So go ahead, Micah. Pick it up from there. <laughs> yeah. So if, if listeners out there have ever wondered what it's like, if maybe you podcast, but if you don't podcast, to have an inbox, to go through it, to read what your listeners send to you. Here's an example uh, going off of what Andrew said earlier. This is from a very disgruntled listener uh, due to our comments on J.K. Rowling. They said, very disappointed of your treatment of J.K.R., very hypocritical. I've listened to this podcast for a very long time, and you've always been true to yourselves since the whole J.K.R. circus started. See, he or they even refer to it as a circus. Since the whole J.K.R. circus started, you've completely turned your backs and the woman who changed her life seemingly to cover your own backs with the trans community. If you're so against her, stop making money off her creations. Go and sell your books. I didn't know we wrote books. What? And don't, <laughs> don't bother watching the new series when it comes. You've never met the woman. Kind of not That's true. not true, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> would, would, would you turn your backs on family members that you love if they had the same views? Yep. No. We've talked about doing that on this show. <laughs> Uh, my family members have canceled me, actually. Laura, Laura, be true to yourself and enjoy J.K. Rowling and the world she has gifted you. You all need to grow up a bit. I know you'll no doubt ignore this because you're too focused and you're all cuddly. Like, <laughs> what does it say? And, and be all cuddly to the snowflakes. To the snowflakes. Thanks for many years of enjoyment, but I can't listen to your hypocritical views anymore. Oh, man. Wow. So I responded this. to this person and they oh, totally- did like 180 but anyway yeah that always happens oh, oh man yeah I- i'll wow. just say this we are very <laughs> grateful for everything harry potter has given us we've never said otherwise we recognize that 
However, we are entitled to our own opinions. We are not making money at this stage off of her work. Like, yes, we're analyzing the books, but we made this podcast successful. We're making the compelling content that people are coming into. We're releasing on a reliable schedule. We're, we're giving them uh, great benefits on our Patreon. If anybody could do this, more people would be. That's what I always say. It's not as easy as it looks and not just anybody can do it. So it does take more work besides her writing the books. Exactly. Think about even the people we talked about at the top of the show, right? They're successful because of what they're, they themselves are able to create. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going out there and telling the truth every single time they go on air, but you could say that about anybody, right? Like sportscasters, they're successful because of the personas they build and what they talk about and that they do a good job doing it. That's exactly what I think we do, right? Like we've created this conversation that we have every single week where we enjoy sitting down with each other and doing things that friends do and that's talk about things that they like and that's what we're good at and it just so happens that we're talking about the harry potter series who jk which jk rowling created and right if I wrote a book, I haven't seen any of the royalties <laughs> from it, so please let me know. <laughs> I wrote a dirty fan fiction. No, it's like if you, if you hate the series so much, it's like that. If you hate it, like sell your Harry Potter books. That's what that is. Oh, I see what you're oh. saying. Yeah. Look, the, 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 the thing I reject the most is this implication that uh, the reason we've been critical against J.K. Rowling is to like cover our backs with a more liberal crowd or something like that is such bullshit. I'm sorry. Like yeah. the idea that our opinions wouldn't be our own or backed up by our real feelings just because we're trying to like cover a base here or score some points. No, our show is as nuanced as it currently is because of the complexity of the situation and our feelings around it. And uh, if you can't see that, then there's the door. Riley asked in the Discord if I can read the response, and it's very short. I said, we appreciate you writing to us and are sorry to hear you can no longer listen to our show, a show where we have addressed the author's view of the transgender community in less than a handful of podcasts, but have over 600 other episodes for you to go and enjoy. That was so, it. Cordial. Yeah, cordial. And then they, you know, were they responded flabbergasted. Not, not that, gonna, yeah. 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 But, yeah. Th but they said they're going to keep listening. So go ahead, Oh, Lauren. my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, you you were more thoughtful than I was. I will say that um, we I know that on our social platforms, I know that there have been occasions in the past where when we've posted about like Trans Day of Visibility or we've posted any kind of supportive content towards the trans community, we'll get a few naysayers in the comments saying a lot of the same stuff, a lot of the same rhetoric thinking that um that nobody's going to respond to them or whatnot. I usually see stuff like that and I just don't. I'm like, okay, you, you do you. I don't give a shit. Um, I remember one time we heard that we had lost several followers. Um, I, I think after one of our big episodes discussing um, how fucked up, wrong, disingenuous and downright deceitful JK Rowling has been in her rhetoric. Um, and my response to hearing that we had lost followers was fuck them. <laughs> I don't care. 
Yeah. And we get uh, people write in uh, via the Apple Podcasts reviews feature and they voice their complaints there. But we also get a steady trickle of positive reviews, too. So I'm not really concerned that people are trying to review bomb us. But you can tell when we've said something for a whopping 20 to 30 seconds. Woo. Because there's suddenly a little influx in negative reviews. And I will say on the flip side of this, some people might say, well, why are you still talking about Harry Potter and doing MuggleCast when the whole JK Rowling of it all? And my response is the short answer is that one of the biggest benefits we have is we get to speak out against JK Rowling on a prominent Harry Potter platform. And that is a big benefit from our position and our viewpoint right now. So I'd rather be in this position actively involved in Harry Potter and being able to speak out against J.K. Rowling, then right off into the sunset and no longer have this place to be able to do so. Plus, and this is a long answer, I'll just keep really short. We have a lot of fun doing it. We're a good group of friends. We have a good thing going. So we want to continue doing that. Yeah. And we believe in keeping this fandom an inclusive space. Yes. We want to contribute to that. Laura, just going off of why I responded to this person in particular, I just felt like it. Yeah. Like, you know, whenever <laughs> you're know. going through emails and you're like, oh, this you is nice. Time. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And, no and, you know, no like, shade whatsoever. I just then, am at a point where I'm like, I don't have time. You're just going this. through and you're reading and you know, you're like, this motherfucker. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to respond to them. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got to wrap this up. This has been a great discussion. Uh, We'll have more about the reboots and and casting in After Dark today at patreon.com slash millennial. Just a little reminder about that before we move on to recommendations. I want to recommend Folex, F-O-L-E-X, Carpet Cleaner. I was at home, my parents' house, uh, last week, and I accidentally spilled coffee on my white bed sheet. And I said, oh, mom's going to be so mad at me. And I said, mom, I spilled coffee on the white bed sheet. And she's like, oh, no problem. I have this awesome spot remover. And you just spray it on. You don't have to scrub it in or anything. Took care of the coffee stain like that. I was so impressed. Um, Tons of reviews on Amazon. I'd never heard of this thing before. So check it out. F-O-L-E-X, Carpet Spot Remover. Very good stuff for removing stains. I'll have to get some of that. Um, I wanted to recommend a movie that's on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, it's Tetris, um, starring uh, Taryn Edgerton. Excuse me. And it is about the complete shit show that was the licensing and distribution of the game Tetris, of getting it out of the Soviet Union where it was invented, and how that all coincided with the fall of the Soviet Union. It was super interesting movie, but really fast paced and just a fun watch. I feel like I learned a lot from it, but it was also just a fun ride. So if you have Apple TV Plus, check it out. I wanted to recommend Muna's self-titled album, which is not new, but I've been revisiting it as a result of their Coachella sets for the last two weeks. came out last summer, and it's just a perfect summer album. It's very much in the synth pop family. So if you tend to like that subgenre, then I, re- I would recommend checking this out. It's really good vibes. Uh, I just completed earlier today our 100 on Stardew Valley which I was late to, but this perfect game I have for the Nintendo Switch. You can make it uh, anything you want to make it. Um, very tranquil, very peaceful sort of game, farm, farming simulator thing. I think if you like Animal Crossing, you'll like that, right? 
people That's compare the two. Yeah, having okay. not played Animal Crossing now, I don't know how they're similar, but it's very, um, you can socialize with the other townspeople. You don't have to. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of interesting things with the world, um, like aliens and monsters that you don't need to deal with if you don't want to, if you just okay. want to raise your crops, but it's cool. I recommend Up First, which is NPR's morning news podcast. I I just find it really easy to listen to, especially whether I'm on the train or going for a walk or just doing whatever to start off the morning. It's only about 15 minutes or so. Uh, and it's really digestible and it's real news. It's not spun in any way. It's just the news. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for listening to today's episode and Eric and Micah, thanks for joining us today. Anything you want to plug? Yeah, it was good to have you both on. Anything you want to plug before we, uh, wrap up? Mugglecast. Uh, We already (laughs) talked about Mugglecast a lot. Um, (laughs) Yeah, if um, I'll just plug, uh, I did recently did a uh, The Last of Us podcast rewatch or watch of the first uh, season of HBO, which I know, Laura, you shouted out on this show. So thank you so much. Uh, I did just want to say it is available on YouTube and uh, wherever podcast apps are found called Thank You for Sporing. It's on the same podcast feed as my personal podcast, Thank You for Spilling, which is currently going on a hiatus. But the most recent episode before my Last of Us thing was with Micah. So check out those uh, that two part episode with Micah, where we talk about our uh, long history and Micah's uh, early childhood. I got nothing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Micah said Mugglecast. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody again for listening. Make sure you're following the show and your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And do leave us a positive five-star review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you're enjoying the show. You can also contact us by writing to millennialshow at gmail.com or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And of course, you can follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. After Dark, we'll start in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Goodbye, everybody. Cheers to television reboots. Choo-choo. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wrong show. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>